Welcome to the Christian Media Marketing Podcast, where we talk all things social media marketing to help your Christian media, Christian missionary, or church outreach find the seekers in your context. We want to help you get the right message in front of the right person at the right time and even on the right device. Are you ready? Here's your host, John Rawls, owner of Kavanaugh Media. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Christian Media Marketing Show. My name is John, and this week we will only be having the audio portion of it, not video, as I have been traveling and part of my team has as well for the last about two weeks here to attend a conference that I was doing one of the plenary talks at, as well as some workshops. And then this week we have been working with about 10 teams, training them how to do digital engagement. But I wanted to share with you all the audio from the talk that I did last week as I hope that it will have a benefit to you and to your work that you are doing. It was great to meet several people who listened to the show that were there at the conference and to be able to talk to you. And it was an encouragement to meet many new people as well. So I hope that this talk will be something that will benefit you as I look back to the last two or three years of what is happening in digital engagement. I look around to the threats and the things that are there and happening right now, as well as some opportunities for hope and for collaborative work together to bring God glory. I hope that this will benefit you, and if you are interested, we'll put the PDF of the talk, the notes, my PowerPoint, on the website at Kavanaugh Media as well. Enjoy. Um, My name is John. My wife, Amy, is here. I am a part of a business's mission called Kavanaugh Media, and the word Kavanaugh is a Hebrew word. It means focus, but to be honest with you, I just wanted to use the same logo from the business I had before. So there's really there was no spiritual meaning brought into that. We're a really small team, about five of us spread both in Taiwan and currently in the United States. We work with about 23 different mission organizations. So many of you that are in here, um, we get to partner with. And then we're running marketing, media, technology products in about 83 different countries right now. And I am just honored to spend some time with you all today. I hope that what I'm going to share with you brings value to you. I am going to be vulnerable in this talk, which makes me feel uncomfortable. Uh, And especially when my wife is here, that makes me feel even more uncomfortable to to do that. But I actually was supposed to speak in Thailand three years ago. And then the pandemic hit. And I've been thinking about this and taking notes for three years. So we'll see what happens, all right? I really just don't know what will happen from this. But I, I wanna just dive right into where we're at. We're gonna look back a little bit. And then I wanna spend some time looking around at the current world of what we're in right now. And then look forward to the future if the Lord provides it to see, okay, well, where can we see this hope? And to share, I, I, I wanna be careful on security reasons too. I'm going to be putting this on our podcast and video show and uh, that we have about 7,400 some that listen to it each week. And so I, your heads won't be in it. Uh, but I, I want to record this and put this out there. So I want to, I want to be very careful about a couple things I'm going to share here for security reasons. But this is a strange time we live in that you and I have gone through. How many of you all in here 
have lost somebody, personally lost somebody in the last couple of years. Well, COVID or any other things, yeah, but especially the COVID has just changed our world. Um, David's in here. The first one that I know during that time, these last three years, where the weirdness of the world that we were in, of going, watching Zoom funerals, to, as our brother shared this morning, if you got 24 hours of this, or not letting people even in the room, depending upon where you were. It is, it has impacted us. I just lost somebody last week. It's still killing people. But nothing I wanna share with you is political. In fact, I, I could care less about politics. Um, especially when you come from the country I come from, you might feel the same way. But uh, that probably was a political comment there. Um, I will be snarky, but I'm trying not to be political. Um, We all live under the same sky, but we all don't have the same horizon. I read that quote, and that's the world that you and I live in. We have suffered, we have pain, we have lost people. And yet our horizons aren't all the same. But it's taught me some stuff. It's probably taught you some things as well. As I went through this process, for one thing, when COVID was chasing me around the world, literally countries getting shut down behind me, and we'd flown about 200,000 actual miles that year, just training, going to locations, going into countries, going with teams, teaching them, training them. And then when it hit, if I could work 24 hours without ever resting, there was that much work. Because all of a sudden, everybody in the world said, let's pivot to digital. And that was hard. And I feel for the pastors and others who have had to try to transition and, and, and have people go through that. And so a couple of the things that I just learned, and to add this, and I'll just take this time today is I hope to foster areas of maybe some conversation more than answers because to be honest with you I don't have a lot of answers at times what I have are glimpses of things things that I've seen so even my notes almost every quote and what I'm sharing with you I've already put on the internet I don't know what just happened there but uh, I think are you still there okay so I, I am putting out my notes. I'm putting out my thoughts on this. I'll, I'll even put the link to them later. But I just hope to foster conversation. And I'll just tell you from the very, the very end of what we're gonna spend some time together with today is my hope is that we can do something that is far greater in this room than any of us could ever do as our individual parts. And so I'm gonna ask us to do something for God's glory. So yes, God's been doing some things and teaching me things. And one of them is just simplicity. When all the stuff that we've maybe become accustomed to is no longer there, we're forced to simplify. Which reminds me that the early church didn't have a lot of things, did it? It did not have staff. It did not have colleges. They did not have worship CDs or streaming videos. They did not have smoke machines. 
Praise God. We moved off the field from Taiwan. We come back to the States, to this church that has almost 30,000 people in it. I ended up being on staff at the church. And the very first Sunday we're there, we go into this place and there's, it's like I'm, I'm in a bar without the benefits. <laughs> That's not in my notes, but it should have been. No, so, but I mean, there was, the smoke's just the bellowing. So, my point being, there was so much they didn't have. And you look at how they changed the world, right? They did have a sense of family. And that's part of what we've been challenged by, by not being able to be physically present. Several of you I have seen and just given you a hug. And we maybe transferred COVID or something together. I don't know if this is like a super spreader or not, but it is so good to see some of you after three years and to give you a hug because that's family. They had a sense of urgency. They had a sense of unity and they were convinced of the risen Christ and they would do whatever it would take to see him get the glory. They gave to the poor, they sacrificed, they welcomed the outcasts and they faced a ton of persecution in the midst of that. That's what the church had. That's what they were about. And they grew at an amazing rate. The church exploded during that time. Now, we've added a lot of stuff since that beginning. We've added, and I'll be sharing technology stuff with you today and other things. I know we've got a lot, but I think the pandemic taught me that simplicity is important. It taught me to rely on the Holy Spirit, to rely on the word even more. It taught me that, uh, that I have many idols things that are always pulling for my heart. The theologian William Stringfellow commented, idolatry is pervasive in every time and culture, no less now than yesterday, no less in Washington than in Gomorrah. Indeed, it might be argued that contemporary Western man is more enslaved to idols than his supposedly less civilized counterpart, precisely because he says we are less, presumably less ignorant about the world in which we live and because our favorite idols are familiar realities of everyday life. Religion, work, money, status, sex, patriotism can become an idol. And that's one of the things that really began to hit home to me that I was learning during the pandemic. But it was a Christmas. Two years ago, we just moved few months before that into the town that we were living in and I was running ads by myself in 40 some different countries for for Jesus film crew teams and I forgot to buy my wife a Christmas present you laugh but it's not funny I knew it was coming I couldn't find any time and then I was depressed and I was overworked. And so I, Christmas day, get in my truck, sitting in the Walmart parking lot. And I'm like, I just, I stink. Literally thinking, why am I here? Man, what a loser. What a loser. You forgot your wife's Christmas. 
So I learned you can't do stuff just alone. You shouldn't probably do work alone. I, I was like, oh, let's push as hard as we can, and I want to see what my limit is. I was dumb. And yet, did I find my limit? Yeah, I found it. I went beyond the limit, but you can't maintain that. You, you can't do it. We are better together. We're stronger together. So I learned a lot during that time, these last three years, to be honest with you. But I also have realized that there's a lot of um, failures that we have seen, fads that are popular, but there's also some functions that I wanna share with you. I, I think we, just, we desire formulas. We desire faddish things and fixes and reproducible answers. And we want it to fit in a five-part series of a how-to we want it to be captured on a graphic. We want it to be cross and trans and omnicultural. But it just doesn't seem like God works in nice little boxes. We can't always test everything and see everything we can taste and we can see. We can observe what he is doing. And so as we look at what's happening out there, there's some things that I get nervous about. And one of those is just the, the danger of success. In essence, we can't admit our failures. And I think one of the reasons we can't admit our failures is because we have to put always the best foot forward so that we can get the funding. I, I was working in Taiwan, I still have the picture. I remember talking with three guys there who were all drinking beers and I sat down with them to begin to share Christ. And I was worried as I took a picture with them, man, I hope these cans aren't in the picture because I can't put it in my newsletter. Or we put the best foot forward. Hey, what do you do? Where do you work? What, what have you done? And, I, and, and so the lack of failure, it's not that it's not there. It's that we don't share it because we're so wanting to be successful. And it's not just the funding, it's for approval. And it's because of the lies of Satan. Because some of you in this room are just enslaved right now to the lies of Satan. And you believe, just as I was sitting in that Walmart parking lot, that what we're doing doesn't matter. What we're doing isn't making any bit of, of a dent in the kingdom of, of Satan's fight and what he is trying to do here in the kingdom. But I want you to know, I think it's okay. I think it's okay to be bad at things. I think it's okay to fail at things. I think it's okay, though, for us to admit those. It's not okay to not share both the good and the bad. There, there needs to be some vulnerability that comes about. And I just think that a lot of this comes back to finances or wanting to be seen as something more. So what do we do? We take credit. We talk about, hey, we're running, ad, we're running ads in this place or whatever else. And I was just convicted by this. Don't steal God's glory. Nothing that we do Nothing we do is because of anything that we have, our abilities, our talents. It is strictly from the Lord. 
and he desires and deserves the glory. And so I would love to see how an openness of failure. Like I have a lot of ads that we have on our website, examples, we give them away. What I don't have on our website right now is all the ones that didn't work. But maybe we should. Maybe we learn from that reality when it comes to it. So there's this danger of success. There's also this danger of commoditizing the work. Actually got this article from, from you, David, of when we begin to package things and here's the three steps. And so just start a Facebook ad account, run an ad, and you're gonna have thousands of people getting saved. Not gonna happen. Probably not like that, at least. We just can't capture so many times. And when we do find something that works, then it doesn't mean it's gonna work in the next place or it's gonna work six months from now. But we, we like to put things in packages, it seems like. And there's a danger to that because God doesn't fit in those kind of boxes. And so with our success that we're striving after of trying to find the next formula or the next things, well, then certain things can, can happen. We can get burnt out. We can fail to keep striving forward. I, I mean, have you, any of you felt that? How many of you have, uh, just, if you're willing, I just asked you to be vulnerable, go ahead. How many of you have felt burnout in the last two to three years from the work that you're doing? That is almost the whole room. Especially you all who are out there doing ministry. I put out a, mainly on Twitter, not like I do much on it, but I read a lot on there. But I did put out something the other day about just to rest, to regroup, but don't quit. And then put a quote about some of the most bruised and tired people and the things that they gave. It It was a quote from Oscar Wilde. And then I got messages back from people saying, I was going to resign tomorrow. I put it out on a Saturday. I I was going to go into the church tomorrow and resign. These are the dangers that scare me as I look back. And it's okay. It's okay to not be good. uh, I'm just glad to be here. I I have a non, as they know right now, curable form of cancer. A lot of days I forget about it now. We make plans for a little while. I was like, don't buy clothes. I'm not gonna need those or whatever. You know, I'll just go with what I got. And then I kept getting fatter. And I'm like, yeah, it's just easier to get clothes than exercise. So (laughs) started doing that. But I used to, believe it or not, do like Ironman races and triathlons and stuff. And I did one one time and it was a relay. So there's three of us. And the guy for K-Swiss brands, he's like, he was vice president of K-Swiss, was the swimmer. He was like a collegiate swimmer before he was older. And, and, but, but in long triathlon races, like it's not a sprint, okay? So I'm doing the bike part and then my friend Chad is gonna do the run. And Todd comes off of the swim second overall. Now, one cool thing about triathlon is professionals compete with the amateurs. So that's kind of cool. I mean, it's not really competing, but they're there. Like, you can talk to them, shake their hands, and good luck, you know, before the race starts, and they're like, see ya. So I'm waiting on my bike to go leave the transition area. Todd comes in second into the transition, and I come out of the transition area first overall in the whole race. I'm the leader of this triathlon on my bike. 
And for the first time ever in my life, I've experienced something. In these bike races, they have these, these guys, these dudes that ride like scooters or motorcycles and they're checking to make sure you're not cheating. Sometimes they have cameras and all this stuff. Like if you watch the Tour de France and those kind of things, that's the guy and he's right next to me. And I'm on my bike going, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> like you're, you're following the wrong guy here. And I'm, I'm head down and I'm cycling as hard as I can. And for the next 90 minutes, zoom, zoom, zoom. Every pro and a lot of amateurs just kept passing me, kept going by. All right. So did I, did I fail? I, yeah. No, we did pretty good. It was still a lot of fun to do that. But my pride was a little hurt through the process of it. When we're doing this, it's okay for us to share to partner and not try to always package these things. There was a European study and they discovered that although 70% of doctors accepted that they should disclose their errors, errors only 32% did. A different study, 800 patients, 800 patient records in three leading hospitals, researchers found more than 350 medical errors. How many of these mistakes were voluntarily reported? 4.2%. So as Eleanor Roosevelt put it, learn from the mistakes of others. You can't live long enough to make them all yourself. That's why we need to be sharing. And I think that's why we need to be able to say we're trying stuff and it's not working. And so we need to bring into this. We have to be careful about the fads that are happening. And this is the stuff too. Sometimes we simplify stuff, but we can only simplify it so far. The danger of simplifying that which is complex and complicated is where we get into danger when we begin to try to commoditize stuff and say, here's five steps to do this or just do this thing here and you're going to get this result. Systems thinking. Systems thinking, the, well, the body of Christ is a system. Nature is a system and it can be very complex, but it's made up of a lot of other smaller parts to it, interconnected parts. So there's simple, there's complicated, and there's complex systems. Maybe, maybe you've heard about this or thought about it. A bicycle is a simple system. If you take the wheel off, if it's broken, you can fix that wheel or you can get another wheel. A bicycle is a pretty, it's a pretty simple one to get you from point A to point B here in the Netherlands. If you have a SpaceX rocket, that is a complicated system comprised of a bunch of intricate relationships that need to all be working for it to be successful. If you fix a problem on a broken SpaceX rocket, okay, good. It takes a lot of preparation, takes a lot of people, experimentation, training, tools, all of that, but you can do it. When a complicated system becomes problematic, it can be fixed. But a complex system is a system with behavior that can be more difficult to predict. I've been reading a lot about chaos theory. It's fascinating to me. Complex systems are dynamic and they behave in very non-linear types of ways. And they're made up of components that learn from each other. So what's a complex system? Humans are, a family is, a forest is, even a national economy is very complex. And unlike simple or even complicated systems that we can try to package together, when we're doing this with a complex system like this, it just doesn't fit well in a box. 
So solving those problems in complex systems can sometimes be straightforward, but other times what used to work doesn't work now. So the danger of saying, here's how you do something, the rules change. Chaos ensues. Things are changing. So for this reason, I think we need to find new ways of approaching our work and our ministry in our world. I think we need incubators, investors, and I think that we need to have inventors. We have people in this chaos environment that are pushing forward. Like Lauren and, and Jamie were talking about people of wonder. They're always wondering. I call them OCD, obsessive curiosity disorder. Just always curious about things. So when we admit our mistakes and we learn from them, we create this climate where it's safe to fail, where failure can be applauded, where we're not getting burnt out. We're, we're learning a way that didn't work. So let's try something new together. And we don't do it alone. In this danger of commoditizing, though, we have to be careful because we have created a fast food model of evangelism and discipleship. And just like McDonald's isn't good for my waist, a lot of these ways that we're trying to commoditize ministry aren't for our spiritual bodies as well. You cannot commoditize the movement of God. You cannot put him in a box and he will accomplish what he wants and his spirit is at work. The best thing we can do is to put up a sail and try to hang on as the, the breath and wind of God blows and to move with him. So we need to be, we need to be careful. All right, so I've shared this on this part. This is the, a, an example of what I'm talking about here. Somebody has an idea and they find other people that have ideas and this idea begins to grow legs and that's then where finance comes into it and that's where the networking becomes and that's where our ideas have wings, not Red Bull, okay? From you and I sing, thinking about what if. I'll share a little bit more about this in just a, a little bit. So what are we looking at right now? What kind of things are, at least for me, am I seeing out there? Well, here's several of them. I just wanna go through them really quickly. I think far too often, uh, let's see, I think this slides in the right place. Far too often we are happy and hope-filled people when everything's working right. We're, when we are in power, when we have the say, when we get to define truth with a capital T, all of those things. This is a really good book, Evangelism as Exiles. The problem is we don't have front of line privileges anymore. We don't get to define all the terms. So how are we going to operate in the world that we're in right now? So what are those dangers? I have a, I didn't put the picture in this slide, but I have a slide of, I'm, I'm ex-military. My dad was military. My brother's retired from West Point military. So a fair amount of military in my family. I have, I have a flight jacket that has all of my patches and things on it. My dad's old jacket had one, and it had a slogan. I remember it from my whole life. Forewarned is forearmed. So my hope with sharing some of these with you is just to say, if this is not on your radar, it needs to be, because it's going to impact you regardless of what kind of ministry you are doing. So we have a fragmented internet. The current situation and the war that's taking place you have countries like Russia saying, we're just gonna stop it. You have places like China and the, and the Great Firewall. A global economy with a fractured internet is a very scary thing to me. 
So we have to be looking for this. We have an internet where in India, they're saying, hey, if you run a VPN as a company there, we want you to report the people that are using your services. It's out there. It's in the news. You can see the exact link in my notes that I put on the internet. It's a dangerous thing. We also have a fragmented and dispersed workforce now. How many of you are working in hybrid offices or people that are still Zoom or other time zones and stuff? Yeah, once again, almost all of you. That has created challenges for us. And there's many workers who have had to come home in the midst of the pandemic, and now they can't go back. They can't get the visa again, or they, they, all sorts of political situations. So our workforce is fragmented, it is dispersed. We have issues like open and closed information, leadership. I don't have the answers. I really, really don't. I like open source a ton, but maybe it's not always the right answer in certain situations. There's a lot of challenges that come with IP, intellectual property, things like that. Who's in control? Who's not in control? A decentralized, a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization. The state I live in, Tennessee, in the United States, recognizes them as a legitimate business structure. That's coming. There's just these new things of leadership, of, of information. Another one that I think is one we've got to be forewarned about is just pride itself. Personal, organizational, and even our mission methods. Nobody has a lock on the right way to do the work. Nobody has a lock on how to do a certain way of making videos, running ads, creating things, anything that any of us in this room could do. Nobody owns it, nobody has a lock, nobody has all the answers. And we have to be very, very careful. I like to fly fish. I don't know, does anybody like to fly fish in here? Good, all four of us. I also am a really geeky kind of guy that might get 10 hands on that one. But fly fishing, I like it. I just don't get to do it much. But we have wild trout in the mountains of Smoky, the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee. Wild. I mean, they're small. You're not going to eat, eat them. But they're hard. Like you got to crawl up, and it's really fun. So I do a style called Tenkara, which is an, a Japanese-style fly fishing. It's a fixed line. But there's a movie. Remember that movie Brad Pitt put out? River runs through it, yeah. And remember how his dad was in that? If his dad had a choice, nobody would fly fish unless they were a purist and did it the right way. I'm afraid we're a little bit like the dad sometimes when it comes to ministry or methodology. And that's the part of the fad thing because some of us are now old enough where we could look back and say, you know, I remember this thing that was really popular and everybody was using these, these sayings and slogans and everybody was doing this kind of stuff and then it didn't, kind of see the end that they thought it was, and then we started the next things. We just gotta be careful. We have to be humble. We really have to be humble. And this is where in groups and out groups, and I'm not gonna spend the time talking about it. It's in my notes to you, but this is this mindset where we have to get, be very, very careful, I believe, because the patterns that I'm seeing, at least in the political world, and, and it's not just in the country I'm in, just in the world that we see, oh, you're with me or you're not with me. You're my enemy because you don't agree or whatever else on that. None of you in this room are my enemy. We have one enemy. We have one enemy. 
And so if, if we spend our emotional energy and thoughts about the outgroups, the others we don't agree with in, in this world, we are fighting ourselves and he's winning. So we've got to be careful about this whole pride thing and about taking God's glory. Racism even is gonna show itself through this pride stuff. It's still there. That's why I'm so thankful my kids grew up overseas. They just view the world different, which was a shock for them and for me when we moved to Tennessee. I mean, it hurts every single day. It hurts to see racism and pride like I see at times. New pandemics. What's this one coming? Monkeypox? Have you seen the pictures of this thing? That's scary. That just looks bad and painful. Now, I don't know. I, th- I think I saw some, maybe the WHO said it's not gonna be a pandemic. I don't know. But it, it looks bad. I'm pretty sure we'll have other pandemics at some point. It's, they're coming. What is that gonna do for us? How about government intrusion? Last year, 34 countries shut down the internet 182 times, including the longest internet shutdown on record. They're becoming more sophisticated. They are lasting longer. They are harming people. They are harming economies and they are targeting vulnerable people. That's what the governments are doing through this shutdown of technology and this government intrusion. It's coming. It's not going to go away. We have to be aware of these things. War. Okay, that's no sight shutting people down. I guess my slides are different from this. Sight shutting people down. You don't agree with what they're saying. They don't agree with you. You're done. Be very careful with your rental properties where you're investing all of your creatives and the things that you're doing. Be, Be careful because they have the ability to shut things down. War and persecution. We started running ads in Ukraine and I say we because it really was a, a real partnership and a, and a we process of it. One, one org that we partnered with took the lead and there's 17 people I believe that are responding there. We spun up a new business, got everything verified, started running ads in just a couple days. It was really a pretty amazing situation. It was also tiring. But then I get bothered by the fact of how many are you all seeing it still in the news? Like in a 24-hour news cycle, we have created a climate that just sensationalizes. And here's one thing to the next thing to the next thing. Not everybody. My daughter still comes home. She turns on YouTube channels that show the different cities in Ukraine. Every day she'll ask her mom or I, hey, what, what's the news? And I know what she's asking for there. We've had, I was trying to do the math this morning, close to 60,000 people click on a link to send a private message in, in Ukraine in less than two months. You wanna talk about burnout? Talk about people who are getting bombed and still trying to reply to their fellow countrymen and women using their cell phones. Just unbelievable to me that they're doing. Millions of people though are seeing the gospel and millions are seeing this one thing. There is hope and you are not alone but we can't forget them. And we will have other wars and there's other persecutions. There's other tragedies that happen. We should be the people that don't move to the next thing, that remember the places where there were the tsunamis and where there's been the tornadoes and the other places of conflict. We need to be the people 
who are loving. That is the thing in the early pandemics of the early church that differentiated them from the pagans. They didn't forget. They loved on other people. So 80%, I read, of people, world's believers who are practicing their faith now are living in persecution. The fact that we can gather here and do this is amazing. The fact that many of our brothers and sisters do not have that freedom should hurt us to the heart. And we need to be concerned. Algorithms and biases. Machine learning. Man, Zuckerberg, stop doing these things. He doesn't know what's happening because of the technology it continues to learn. It is teaching itself. And that can be very, very scary. It can also be amazing. It actually, for many of you that are Bible translators, machine learning and some of this, the deep technology that's out there could be very groundbreaking. It could speed up the translation of new fields and new languages. But there's risks involved with it as well. So algorithms and biases, frauds and fakes. In the 1700s, Ben Franklin, the United States, created the post office. And then criminals invented mail fraud, like literally, almost right away. In the 1800s, there was a telegraph and then the telephone, and criminals invented that kind of fraud. In the 20th century, they invented the internet. And yeah, you already know about the Nigerian princes and stuff. You've probably experienced those, or that you have you know, your student loan or your car maintenance warranty or whatever the other kind of scams and things that are out there. So every time we get new technology, there's new forms of fraud that come along with it. We have to learn how to work and utilize these tools in ways that are redemptive, in, even though others are using them in harmful ways, in ways that exploit and hurt people. We need to redeem these tools and these technology, not run from them. So with all of these things, this leads me even to some of these areas like intellectual property and artificial intelligence and AR and VR and MR. Well, what do you do in a world filled with fakes and copies that look identical to the real thing? What do you do in a world when you can't tell what is truth any longer? Is open source the answer? I think it's part of it, but I don't think it's the only answer. What do you do on things like TikTok? If you're a media creator in here and you're like, hey, let's get the young people, where its very nature is to take videos and things that others are doing and then put different spins on them. How are you going to handle that with your intellectual property? These are these things that are coming. Privacy, digital sovereignty. To me, these are some of the most important things. I'm gonna demo some software here in just a second from a, a group of people I trust tremendously simply because they are saying, we are living in a world where we're losing all sense of privacy, where we have become the product. And we have to be very careful. And the final one would just be Christian tribalism and nationalism. I'm very alarmed by this. I'm very alarmed by this. To really understand this phenomenon, there's a book called Tools and Weapons that I read that the technology itself reinforces our tendency to splinter into cyber tribes where we are being alone together. We have to be very, very careful of this. 
this is why this is so good. This is why I applaud Carter and others who said we're gonna take the risk and then we may fail, but we're gonna try to do this thing because we need each other. And I love the technology and I'm so thankful for Zoom, but the body of Christ, it's, 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 it's powerful, but not when we're splintered not when we're wearing our slogans and doing that. So how do, can we be passionate about God and his kingdom and have good mission practices yet be humble and avoid snobbery? That's really what I'm trying to figure out. What does that look like? How can we promote the important principles without becoming dogmatic and trying to compartmentalize and to make things fit in a commodity type of way? How can we walk humbly with our God without trying to patent and, and sell the very rhythms that we pick up as we do. I, I think we do that with these three things. By forming a level and a layer of trust, of transparency, and of, of testing. Idea flow is this idea where new thoughts can permeate a group. And so there's a, a book that talks about this. And in this, there is a, it, when people begin to trust, they describe it as using words like the flu that trust itself becomes contagious, just like the flu. This is a business book talking about trust, saying when you begin to incorporate it, it begins to spread among your organization. It begins to spread amongst organizations. It becomes a contagion, and it connects otherwise separate elements of an establishment together. The book, there's a great book called Team of Teams, that describes this same phenomenon of what trust does. When people begin to trust saying, I know you have this. I trust you. There's something powerful that comes from that. One of the ideas that I had, and it could be a really dumb one because most of mine are at times, every once in a while, you know, the, the dead clock is right twice a day. But I just wonder, what if we had embedded cross-functional and cross-organizational teams? What if all of a sudden in this room, we started sending people to go say, hey, can you go spend six weeks over with this group and just learn from them? Learn, pick up some of that contagion, share some of that contagion of trust with them. Learn, share, hey, we have this. Oh, you have that problem. Maybe we could do that. That's what I hope for this week to be is you all together sharing and trusting. What if we had cross-trained and cross-embedded teams? Transparency. I've already talked about not admitting our failures and mistakes. There's a great book I would recommend. It's called Black Box Thinking. And in it, it challenges what happens when we don't share what's not working. We will continue to make the same mistakes. There's no reason in the world why all of us have to make the same mistakes. Let's learn new ones. Let's all pick different ones to be failing at. That's how we get better together. And testing is really this idea of iteration. It's the idea of connecting dots. So you connect these little things together. It's linking up of ideas. In a book, there's a book called The Art of Scientific Investigation, and yes, I did read it. <laughs> Originality often consists in linking up ideas whose connection was not previously suspected. I was just trying to read how do these inventions come about? And he's just talking about these things go and they go and they, they marginally get better. And all of a sudden, something amazing happens. A breakthrough happens. How is that? 
people take things that are known and they begin to connect them and discover the unknown when that happens. Sir Richard, Richard Branson has this mantra for all of his employees. And the mantra is A, B, C, D. Kind of like E, M, D, C. It could mean a lot of things. But for them, it means always be connecting dots. Curiosity. Wow, that's really neat what you have. I wonder if, I wonder, what if? Could we? Would it be possible? Obsessive curiosity, connecting the dots. The greatest dot connector, Leonardo da Vinci. He studied, and his interests included inventions, painting, sculpting, architecture, science, music, mathematics, engineering, literature, anatomy, geology, botany, writing, history, and cartography. Amazing. And he would learn these things, and then he would apply it to this. Steve Jobs did that learning calligraphy, and it impacted the design nature of Apple products. So we have to be always looking at, and this is why sharing with each other, trusting each other, and then testing these things always will help us be able to be better together than doing it alone. So what do we do in the last 15 minutes of this talk as we look forward? What can we do? What opportunities lay ahead of us I wanna say that though we have so many challenges that we can address, and there's many that you could say as well, we could put on this list. Many things that you and I all are seeing, all great revivals have taken place in times of decline. So now is the time for hope. Now is the time to look around and go, it's perfect. Why not? And why not us? And why not this generation? As the saying has said, to finish the task, it has always been there, the ability within each generation. Now is our time. Together, I believe that we can do that. So there's a fourth revolution that's coming. I'm fascinated by it. I read about it. I've been studying programming and everything I can get my head around, taking copious notes to try to, to get into this area. And it is simply what many are calling Web 3. Some call it Web 3.0, but then I learned, well, if you say Web 3.0, you're already outdated. It's really already called Web 3. I'm like, wow, we lost a decimal point and everything. Things are revolving very fast, this fourth revolution. It's getting harder and more expensive and technical as we move forward. In this Web 3 world, how do we see success? Well, here's the first idea. I think we need to have an honest audit of our teams and our focus, of our hope, of our strategy, and even of our people. As organizations grow larger and older, as the footprint of the program expands, as the consequences of past actions accumulate, we accumulate a lot of things that are not as useful any longer. They become unnecessary. They become rules and rituals and red tape. It's like barnacles on a ship. There's a really good book called Scaling Up Excellence. And in that book, he argues this is one of the key things is we have to have an honest look at ourselves and in our organizations and in our teams going, how are we doing? How are we doing when we do that? So we need to be doing some honest evaluation. And I think what that lends itself to is staying in our swim lanes. Outsourcing. This is where 
cross-embedded, cross-functional, cross-organizational teams, sharing, open-handed, as, as the media and movement team talks about this, the, the heavenly economy concept. Oh, I have something you need? Let me give it to you. Oh, you have something that I need? Can, can, can I use that from you? So how do we do this? Because here's what I'm convinced at this point. Being ex-military, like Oz Navy, not everybody needs to be a SEAL. Not everybody has to be special forces. I, I hear groups talk about, we're the special forces of this or that. Go really hang around some real special forces for a while and then see if you really want to take that label on yourself. Uh, that's a pretty elite thing there. See, SEALs are better at what they do than intel analysts would be. But SEALs aren't very good at intel. They stay in their swim lane. They're trained to do one thing really well, and intel analysts do another thing, and they do that really, really well. Diverse specialized abilities, I think, are becoming more and more essential, and I think it is a stewardship issue. I believe that we will stand before the Lord, and he says, wait a minute, you spent how much money recreating the same thing that this org over here did, and you just changed the color? There's too many problems for us to all be recreating the same wheel. So we have to fail, we have to be innovative, we need to put funding towards it, and we need to be figuring out what is the thing that we, you, I do well, and let's stay in that swim lane and find others to partner with us. So once again, Team of Teams talks about this, but one of the results of it is a shared consciousness that takes place. So a transformation in an organization takes place when you begin to say, hey, we all understand the mission, here's your part of it. Here's what you can do. Go push further in this area. And then all of a sudden, as we cross in bed, we start connecting dots and something amazing happens. I'm convinced that the Lord has brought an answer to some of you in this room to the challenges that you're facing right now. There's another person in this room who has the answer. We've gotta connect. We've got to connect the dots. So for us, this, because of a partnership with people like the Jesus Film and crew, why does every team in the world have to learn marketing when it's changing every six weeks? I'm more and more convinced that many, not all, because there's actually some teams that are really amazing in what they're doing, but many teams, mission teams out there need to do what they do really well, which is learn a language and work with the locals and evangelize and disciple. So we want to take away all this other stuff. And in a model called one to many, you have one social media account, multiple channels, okay? YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, whatever else. But it's verified, we're following the rules, we're doing those right things, we're working with local responders, and then when seekers are responding, they're going to the orgs and the teams who are in these areas that all they're doing is contributing to the ad cost. We're using technology that protects the identity of all of these people. I'll show you one here in a second. To me, this is a answer, not the only one, but it is a way to let the people stay in their swim lane who are the ones who speak the language and to do things well. And so I think, and so if you're interested in this idea, we're gonna target the first 12 largest countries by least population, and then we're gonna start adding to this. These are the other places. 
we already have locations on this where we have multiple orgs working together. And I believe that the Lord would be pleased. When you, we worked in Taiwan, when as team expansion people, what we were at that time, worked with our OMF friends and our IMB friends and all these others that were there in Taiwan, the body was stronger and we learned from each other and we were a unit, a family, a team. Yes, we have our distinctives. Yes, we have our, our colors and our logos and stuff, but we have one banner that we are flying under. And so for me, I hope that this is a possible solution for some. Another one is just this idea of crowdsourcing and partnership, of working together. Let me give you a couple examples. Do you know what this is? This is Disciple Tools. Disciple Tools, a, a dream of a team making a difference in the world, saying, hey, here's something that we've got, Let's share it with others. And then a bunch of really cool people started to dive into this. And then orgs start investing into this. And it's free. The reason why I'm showing you this is to give honor where honor is due. I think that's biblical. But we're running it through an end-to-end encrypted chat, secure file storage piece of technology. It's called Diode. .io. It's free. It's in the same sense of what Disciple Tools is doing. So what does this mean? You can transfer a file from a team to another individual in a, and what I believe and what those who are in this, this area would say is even in a more secure than a VPN model and it's not being looked at in the way that a VPN would. How many of you have tried to watch Netflix or some, you know, you're in another country and it goes, it seems like you're not supposed to be doing this, but I'm running a VPN. They can tell. This is not that way. In fact, I will show you if the internet allows us, if you wanna come over sometime when my wife and I are sitting over there, I'm running what you see, these screen grabs right here from a Raspberry Pi sitting in my office on a decentralized, multiple Raspberry Pis, file transfer, file chat, and we're running Disciple Tools so that only people who go and are approved in a zone can even see it. There's no internet DNS address hard to attack something that doesn't exist. But this is possible because of crowdsourcing and of those who've come in front of us and those who will come after us and a group of people who are like, hey, here's our contribution. I'm I'm enthralled by this idea of what crowdsourcing can do. And I, I won't go too much into this. I will tell you one story I read. I mean, these are things like Kickstarter and other groups. They're crowdsourced. There was a competition though in the United States where they took six pieces, I believe it was paper, throughout the whole country of the United States. And the winner, the person who found these six pieces of paper won a ton of money. And one group said, well, we're going to split the kitty, not the cat, the pot of money, with anybody that helps us. And the numbers began to grow. Within 17 hours, all six pieces of paper were found scattered throughout the United States. That's a little scary too, but that's the power when we work together. That's the power of partnership when all these things happen. So that's just part of it. Here's another one. Four or five years ago, I get in a van in Thailand next to a guy named Sway. Didn't know who Sway was. Kind of a cool name. Had a neat Brooklyn accent, New York type of thing, what it sounded like to me. And we, we 
became friends and we began talking. And I asked him, hey, could I get all of your pixel data from Jesus Film and crew and stuff? You know, ask for it, you might receive. He's like, I, I have no idea. Let's see if we could do this. Well, Sway and his team and others who are here from Jesus Film, we're using what you're seeing here right now in Ukraine. We are super alpha testing this for them, which is a user-generated journey. It's like type form. You pick the video, you pick the text, you pick the questions. It, the, the person goes to another place and they can respond to it. I like type form because of the logic things. If you pick A, now this is the video. If you pick B, just with this, it's called next steps. And it's coming out, they hope, by maybe late fall, they will make it available to more and more people for free. That's crowdsourcing. That's people pulling their resources, staying in their swim lanes, but sharing it and getting lots of people investing into it. Uh, I think if you talk to Carrie and the Jesus Film group over here, both about our one to many thing, actually, because they're gonna handle the partnership part because I, I don't, that swim lanes, that so let the partnership people do those things. So here's another one, next steps. I'm excited about it, what it could do. We tested it a, a version one, this is version two. We found 50% of the people that watched the first video kept watching more evangelistic videos. It's choose your own adventure. And we're giving them options to go through it. So I love that. I, I love what's happening there. So I think another solution of, as we move forward is measure and share. But if we're just gathering data and strategy does not come from it, that's just trivia. It is of no value if we're not getting actionable items. How many people are getting saved? Oh, we've had 2,000. Great, so how does that impact your budget? How does that impact your staffing? That's the part we're missing. Let's get honest and say sometimes, this just didn't work. We thought it was, we gave it a good try but we have to measure. There's a few different groups that are out there. FTT, Finishing the Task 2.0. I'm on it, Don is on it, Clyde is on this group. There's several others that are working on the digital realm to say, can you just share? We're not trying to tell you how to do what you do, but would you share so that we can see the gaps globally? Another one, the Media to Movement team is trying to do that with that specific methodology, a global movement metric one. I know SRG and other funders are trying to figure this out because one of the things that one other group has said to me personally was how do we determine, how do we determine when the data is being duplicated? When this group is claiming it and this group is claiming it, how do we know what the real numbers are? This is another area. We measure, we are making decisions, but we're sharing. We're sharing all of this together. All right, we do have to be careful though. Because this is where narrative fallacy comes into it. This is a good book, by the way, Thinking Fast and Slow. Narrative fallacy is when we have a story and we draw things. This is that danger of commoditizing. Gotta be really careful. Well, we're just gonna share our story here. Well, great, but then everybody thinks that's the way it's always going to work. How many of you all have had funders say to you, hey, you got any good stories? Well, as long as we can tell them a good story, then we have no actionable things that come from that. Yeah, let me give you a good story, but overall, I think this system has failed. We should probably kill it. You should probably fire me because I'm not adding value to what you're doing. Sounds crazy, but that's the actual thing I believe it's gonna take. It's going to take that level of transparency and honesty, and so we have to be careful as we do this. So can we have hope? 
Do we have any hope of finishing the task in this generation? You don't have to answer out loud, but I would love for you to answer it in your heart. Do we have any hope whatsoever? I think we do. I think we do because the worst thing is not the last thing. The word hope in the English language, at least in my Bible, shows up 71 times, but only one time before the resurrection. You want hope? We have it. It's called an empty grave. And a group of talented men and women who, if we work together, we're better. We're stronger. We can support each other. We can accomplish something that we cannot do on our own. And we need all of you, not just the big people with big budgets. We need you and how God has created you to be able to do this. There's a book I read that talks about the fact that the average person will have 4,000 weeks in their life. Just let that settle in for a minute. We're spending one of those 4,000 here. The average person will have 4,000 weeks to their life. That's if they live to be, I think it was like 80 some, something like that. So all of that in all of time, we've only had 310,000 weeks so far. Since that's the time of Mesopotamia, I guess, is what that would be. That's a long time ago. We only have 4,000 weeks. So what if we only had 52 weeks left? This is one of the blessings of cancer. One of many is that you realize that each day matters. Each day matters. So when I go out and I eat and have a drink with friends and we practice communing with each other, like a few of us got to do a couple nights ago on our, on our uh, Media and Movement Coalition team. It's brilliant. It's a memory. One of my greatest memories I have happened at this conference the last time we were here. Just of being with people and realizing that they're scarred and I'm scarred and we're all struggling trying to figure it out is so amazing. If we had one more year, if we had 52 weeks, if you and I said we have an incurable problem and we know when the end is coming, what would we do? And what would we do together? Maybe even more important, what would we not do? If this was it, sorry, Carter, but there's no EMDC Thailand. We know it, it's over, this is all we got. What changes What changes in your life when you realize that every day is a gift? Every person you come along is a child of God and they do not have to be your twin to be your brother or sister. We don't have to think the same. We don't have to do the same things. But what would we do? I think we can do a lot. I think there's a lot of good things we could do, even some very good things we could do. But what's the big thing? What are you going to have to give up so that you can go big on the one? What are you praying and asking? Lord, tell me the clear yes, the clear no. What do you wanna do? The Trappist monk Thomas Merton said to allow oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concerns to surrender to too many demands, to commit oneself to too many projects, to want to help everyone in everything is to succumb yourself. Succumb yourself to violence. What's your swim lane? 
What's that one thing you wanna say? Hey, here you go. Here's my little bit. Here's what I can do to help. What could we do together? We will have many challenges. There's all sorts of problems, but I believe now is the time to help. Thank you for listening to the Christian Media Marketing Podcast. We hope you subscribe to it and that you'll share it with those who are also laboring for the Lord to find seekers in their contacts. May God bless you in all you do for him and for his kingdom.